I remember reaching 104 miles, and I was like, wow, this is the furthest I've ever got to go, and I've got to more than double that to get to the end. So you're just one foot in front of the other. When you feel like your body doesn't have anything left in you, mentally and physically, you got so much more, and you just don't realize it. All right, thanks very much, everybody, for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. You know what we do here. Uh, I think this is episode 130. We have a special guest on today, as we always do. Uh, and this gentleman uh, is a, a local runner here in Columbus, Georgia, uh, who is originally from England, though. And he just finished running his first ever 240-mile race, the Moab 240, a well-known one out in Utah. So uh, he, he is uh, he's still tired, still recovering a few weeks later. Uh, he is the president of DNA technical fabrics uh, here in the Columbus, Georgia area. Uh, we're going to talk about his adventure running those 240 miles, finishing in the top 20 out of 250 people. Very impressive uh, for his first time doing that distance. Like I mentioned, he was born in England, moved to Columbus with his parents and one of his sisters when he was 13 years old. Went to Shaw High School and Columbus State University, where he uh, earned several degrees. He has a wife and three kids, ages 16 to 20. So he's uh, he's been through the ringer there with uh, with uh, some teenagers as well. Uh, we're going to talk about how he got started running about eight years ago, doing Couch to 5K, which is the way I started about 10 years ago myself. And uh, then, you know, never really was a runner before that. Uh, and then ran some 5Ks, graduated to a marathon, then ultras. Uh, and one of his marathons was was Boston. We'll talk about that. And he's done uh, numerous ultras. His life mantra is, you will regret the things you didn't do rather than the things that to, that you did. And um, he also went on, uh, kind of started before the pandemic and went all the way through part of the pandemic, a one-year RV adventure with his family. So that's pretty exciting. We're going to find out why he did that and how that was. He is uh, Lee Lost Brown. Thank you so much, Lee, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I know you listen to podcasts because you do a lot of running and training long distances. So uh, first of all, before we get into kind of how you got started running and maybe your advice for, for new runners or ultra marathoners and how you balance uh, family life and, and being a president of a company. I want to talk about this Moab 240. So you just got back home uh, a few days ago, but tell me about, first of all, you know, you had done a hundred mile before. So what, you know, people that may be listening, uh, may be thinking, why in the world would you do a 240, <laughs> 240 miler, which, which took you almost four days to complete, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, I've always tried to up my game when running. So of course I start off with 5Ks, marathons, and then I went to ultras and I did 100. And then one day, I, I guess I was sitting around, I said, you know what, I've, I've, I remember five years ago talking about the Moab 240 and being this, wow, how does anybody ever do that? And I remember having these conversations and then well, like I went online and I saw, hey, the, the lottery's open for this Moab 240 and I met the qualifications. I was like, you know what, let me put my hat in there and see if I actually get in. So I was like, you know, you know, I'm always up for a big adventure. So that that's that's really why I I signed up for it in the first place. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. You know, you know, I've, I've joined a lotteries. A lot of people get in there. I probably won't get in there, but it's worth a shot. Yeah. But then you know, I'm actually I'm away on a, a trip, and we're sitting around lunch, and I get this notification: my credit card's been charged, and that that's the that means you've you've got through the lottery and you're in. So I was like, well, I better start training. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how how long was the? I mean, how much training did you do to to get to be able to do this? Well, this was back in I think late January where, you know, I'm, I'm still running at this point, but then I really, you know, it really occurs to me late January when I get into the lottery, like, 
whoa, I get a, better get my act together because I've got a big race coming. So that's when I actually decided I'll get a coach. So I actually went online and started researching, okay, who can coach me to, that's done a 200 plus mile race before who's been out there. So that's, that's when I did the research, I actually got a coach. So I was like, hey, I want to run this 240. I want to do, you know, I don't want, just want to run it. I want to be, you know, finish strong. I want to feel good about it. So he really teed me up great for it. So. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to kind of backtrack and kind of take us through what it was like during that time. But it took you about 84 hours to complete that 240 miles through uh, that started in Moab, Utah. And so that's uh, roughly about, I mean, it's less than four days, but three and a half days or so. So I think if I did the math right, you're averaging about two and a half marathons per day. Um, and you may have done more at the front end. So um, going in, um, you talked about wanting to be strong. What was that whole process like? You know, was, was day one easy, hard? I mean, did it get tons harder as you went? My first day was probably my hardest. Now, my coach had told me, uh, and he's, he's a great guy, uh, Greg Odinger, he's a, he actually lives in San Diego. Uh, he, he told me, you know, when you go out there, you know, every, stay slow. Everybody's going to be passing you. But, you know, come those following days, a long race, you're going to start passing them. So stay slow. And that's one of the hardest. I'm very competitive. So I, I just, you know, me staying at the back of the pack was a real hard thing to me. But I stayed at the back of the pack. But one thing about Moab, it's... It was only about 80 degrees, 80 something degrees. So I was like, oh, I'm used to this. You know, Georgia's <laughs> always hot, yeah, and, and Moab doesn't have the humidity. Boy, was I wrong, because it was in Moab, the sun comes out and it is hot. It's a scorcher. And you're in the middle of those canyons and it's just reflecting off all the rocks. And I got hot that first day. So I got, uh, is that the first day was actually my toughest. That was, a, that was only a few moments during that first day where I thought, no, I'm not going to make this because I, I was getting dehydrated. My shirt, I look down and, you know, in Georgia, your shirt's wet and you're dripping. When Moab's, it's so dry that salt immediately dries. So I look down, my shirt is completely white. It's a blue shirt and it's white with salt on it and it's stiff. So I was like, I'm in trouble. And I look down at my calves and I can see them moving. And, you know, my calves moving, even a little bubbly thing is a first sign that I'm getting dehydrated. So I immediately slow down. Uh, then I realized my stomach's kind of turned. So, of course, I can't get fluids in. I can't get food in. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get my act together because this is a long race. This is only day one. I'm, I'm, maybe, <laughs> I'm maybe 30 miles in. I'm like, I've got 240 to go. And I try not to think of races like that. I try and go from point to point. You know, I've, I've got probably 40 miles before I see my crew, which is Brandy at this point, to, to get the get to the van. And, I'm and this like, is your wife that's out there yeah, with yeah, you in yeah, Utah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she drove out there in our van a week before, so she's, she's crewing me. And I've, I've got some other people that meet her as well to help crew and pace me. But I'm like, I've got 40 miles to go, so I'm, I'm trying to think of anything, anything, you know, to make sure the wheels don't fall off. So I, I lay down and take a nap in the shade. That's one good thing about Moab. If you're in the shade, it's 20 degrees cooler, wow. which is great. So I take an, I lay down for a minute and I kind of prop myself up. And then, I, you know, people passing me asking if I'm okay. And then I, I eventually get back up. And then another little lady passes me because I'm going slow at this point. And she's like, what's wrong? I was like, my stomach's turned. I'm not getting, because. I'm not able to get any fluids, you know, I'm feeling super nauseous. He goes, well, what you need to do is you need to let your stomach relax. So lay down flat, be perfectly still for a minute and see if you can relax those muscles. And that's what I did. So I went, I went down, found a nice shady spot and I just laid there for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Just, the, just relaxing, trying to get my stomach. And eventually it started to ease. I was like, okay, I got to get up because at this point the sun was going down and I wanted to get, you know, to... I wanted to get to Brandy, basically. That was my goal. You know, mile 72, get to Brandy, because I haven't seen her since mile 19. It's a long day, a long, hot day. So I eventually, you know, after 
I eventually got there. You know, a lot of canyons, a lot of twists and turns. Now, is the terrain, is this, okay? I mean, because people think, okay, 240 miles is extremely difficult as it is, but is this, is this a lot of hills and trails and a lot of uh, technical things? Yeah, yeah, very technical. A lot of Jeep roads, and you think of Jeep roads being kind of easy, but in Moab, they're not easy. There's, there's big rocks, there's big ruts, there's ups and downs. Of course, there's dust flying everywhere. I, I, you know, Moab's kind of like the, the story Dune. There's dust just flying everywhere in your <laughs> nose, just everywhere. So, so, but a lot of, you, you basically, Moab, you're going around canyons, up the canyons, down canyons. You know, there's a, there's a there's one section called uh, uh, Jacob's Ladder where you actually go down. There's Jack, Jacob's or Jackson's Ladder, which is a vertical. Basically, you're going down a thousand foot down some rocks. Wow! So it's really rocky, real technical, and they actually have a medic at the bottom because so many people get hurt. You know, he's on a four. He's driven probably thirty miles in there just to make sure because so many people get hurt going down this Jackson's Ladder because it's so rocky and technical. So, but a lot of ups and downs, a, a lot of twists, a lot of. Uh, climbs, rocks, jeep terrain, you know, you name it, a lot of slick rocks as well. So there's, there's a lot of big rocks out there. You go back about a mile just going down some rocks there. If you, if you slip, you're in trouble. You're not gonna stop because you're just gonna slide all the way down to the bottom. Wow. So really, really, the first day was really a technical long haul because that's where, that's where the A stations are the first part, 20 miles plus. Maybe they've made, they sprinkle in some water stops you know, but that's it. But really, it, my first day was bef- definitely the toughest. Yeah, and you and you made it to Brandy, and this is yeah. uh, you know you're seventy miles in, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's and that's another story. So of course, I, I get into the aid station, and uh, and I'm it, the 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 food stop and all is in one section. And I see that all the RVs and stuff. You got to walk maybe a quarter of a mile to get there. It may not have been a quarter mile, but in the middle of the night, you know, at three a.m., <laughs> it, it seemed like an etern- you know far away. So I walk there, and I can't find Brandy anywhere. So I'm searching all the RVs. I'm looking for my my gray, you know, gray van, and I I just can't find. I see a white one, and I'll keep walking, and I'm, I'm walking all the way to the end. And I suddenly see this 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 van, and it's sideways in the road, in the sand, and I realize it's Brandy. Apparently, the parking lot was full. She tried to turn around, but in the why she got turned around, she got the wheel stuck. <laughs> Oh, no. So she is she is basically blocking anybody from getting in or out, and she's right on the edge of the crew station. You can't get crew outside the A station, outside the crew station. So I I stop right there. I, I act like I'm going to help her. Like I've done 70 miles. I'm tired. I'm not sure I can go anymore. I just I just know at this point I need to get some sleep because I'm just exhausted. So she so she some guys are helping. Of course they have to because if they want to leave. You know, they've got to help her get out of this hole. So sure. she actually, they let them get in. They finally get her loose and she drives off. And at this point, I don't know what's going on. She's she's left. I just stand there for maybe 10 minutes. And I get to thinking, I don't know if she's coming back. So then I sit at the side for another 15 minutes. And this time I'm just, I'm, you know, this is this is the low, actually the lowest point in my race. Because, you know, I've been looking forward all day to see Brandy. And, you know, to get maybe get a nap in the van, get some food, change my socks. And, and 170 dr- miles to go. Yeah, a lot of miles to go. And she's gone, nowhere to be seen. And I, I just, I remember I just sat at the edge of the, end of the uh, edge of the road right where she left. And I was just waiting on her. And I was like, I don't know if she's coming back. So I, was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'll go back to the aid station and see what they can do for me. Because at this point, I'm not going anywhere. I've got to take a little bit of sleep. And they actually have sleep stations and some cots. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, I'll take a nap and see if she shows up. <laughs> So I go around to the A station and I tell them, hey, my my crew, I don't know where they're at. I just, I guess I just need to take a nap. She goes, well, get a cot. Hopefully you can find one open. If not, there's some other places you can sleep. But you have a drop bag here, right? And I go, yeah. 
Well, I don't have a drop pack there. I don't know what I'm saying. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so, but at that time, here comes Brandy running up. Apparently, she had to park over a mile away with the van because that was the only spot left. So she ran there. You know, she didn't want to think I'd abandoned her. So I quickly gave her a long list of stuff I needed, and I was going to take an hour and a half nap, and she was going to come back with all my stuff. So sure. it, it ended up working out. So that I maybe took a 20 minute nap. You know, laying down. I laid there for a while, but you know, it was noisy and. You know, when you've done that many miles, it's hard to fall asleep. Your adrenaline's pumping. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and then next thing I know, I'm I'm up. I'm at, I'm at out the tent, and then here comes Brandy with all my stuff. So that kind of, kind of, you know, reinvigorated me to to start the race of the new day. And it's probably this this point is probably six a.m. So twenty four hours had passed. Wow. So now during that, you know, eighty four hours that it took to do the whole Moab. How much sleep did you get? I, you know, in the course of three and a half. I days. would argue with Brandy that I didn't sleep because it, <laughs> it felt like I lay down and I'd hear everybody talking in the van, and the next minute she would say, "Okay, it's time for you to go." She was pushing me out. I was like, "I haven't even slept." But going to her, I slept maybe three and a half hours total. Total. total okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so, so that, that was pretty rough, and especially by the third night. That was where you, you know, you, your wheels start falling off a little bit in your mind. Yeah, and then on day two of Moab, a two forty. Are you? Uh, I, I guess things improve. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I I leave the the the, the A station where Brandy's at, and it's getting daylight. You know, I always look forward to daylight. That reinvigorates you. It gets it knocks the sleep away. So I'm, I'm at that point. I'm feeling a lot better. That that's that's when I really knew after I got through that low point, I was going to make it. I was going to, you know, I was going to get through this race. You know, I, with, if every, everybody count on me, everybody dot watching, which I, I can talk about later. You know, everybody's watching me. You know, I. I know everybody before the race had texted me good luck, and I, all the people said I'll be watching you. With that, I knew I could finish it after that low point. I was like, if I can sit at the, the edge of the, the road and just feel that bad, and then you know bring my spirits back up, I knew I could make it. Yeah, and what kind of things you, know, you talked about sleep a little bit? What kind of things from your crew or aid stations or whatever? What kind of things are you eating or drinking? I mean, are you eating a lot of food or 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 uh, smaller amounts? Yeah, yeah. To start off the race, you know, I was going to have you know the typical <laughs> things that runners eat, you know. In fast races, so I had gels. You know, spring energy is really good. And some oatmeal, you know, some uh, grapes, not grapes, uh, raisins. You know, just and, and candy, just basic stuff. And I was going to go to the A station, maybe get fruit. As long as the the race progressed, my body became like a furnace. So anything I could consume, I would eat. So you my, wanted some real food. Maybe? Yeah, I wanted real food. So yeah. my go-to during the day, I had a a, a cheeseburger with bacon. That's all I wanted. So every A station, I wanted cheeseburger and bacon. Now, if it was early, I wanted hash browns, bacon, and eggs. So and, and I, I hopped. <laughs> and greasy's okay. Oh, it was, it was, <laughs> but my body was was going by the day two, three. My body was you know just cranked up so high that it just burned it off so fast. Yeah. So, and that's what I that's what I wanted. Yeah. And I didn't want any of the gels. So after that, I didn't have any gels. I had some candy and things like that. And of course, I wanted ginger ale at the A stations. And then, of course, my go-to for liquid, I had liquid IV because I, I do sweat out a lot of salt. So I knew, hey, every A station, I put two powders in my, my front water bottles and they filled them up. So that's one thing I made sure I kept salt in me, especially after the first day. Yeah. I knew that could be an issue. Now, I know you um, typically enjoy running fast, very competitive, whether it be a marathon or a 5K or whatever. But uh, this was something where you couldn't be the normal fast Lee, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had to be very disciplined. And I guess that's the advantage of having a coach. He kind of prepared me for that. He's like, you've got to be disciplined. Start out slow and, and you'll reap the rewards later in the race. And that's exactly what happened. So I stayed slow and, and 
you know, I saved some of that energy. I didn't get over dehydrated. I didn't get any issues being hurt or anything like that. So I was actually, you know, the last, the last legs of the race I was running. Well, that's where I really passed a lot of people. So, because yeah. I really started off the start of the race, I started way at the back of the pack. And that was by kind of by design, even though, you know, it was really hard for me. And then I got further behind when I got dehydrated. So I was really behind, really at the back, back of the pack. And I, by staying conservative though, and getting my, myself back, you know, back to, back together, I managed to kind of eke myself forward and get in front of the race. But it was really never about passing people. You know, that's, that's fun to pick people off and pass people, but it's really about finishing the race. Now my goal, and it was funny, my goal was to finish before the fourth night. Gotcha. So 84 hours, and I finished just under 84 hours. And I didn't track the time. I didn't track anything during the race. So that just worked out perfect. But you could tell probably when the sun's going down, yeah, when the sun's yeah, coming yeah, up, yeah, you're like, okay, yeah. now I know I'm. So on day three or four, or you talked about running kind of towards the end and being able to do that. Did you do a lot of walking or hiking maybe day three or four? Or? Yeah, the, especially on some of the climbs. You know, the, my strategy after getting dehydrated the first day is take it really easy during the day. It, it's super hot. I knew I'd get dehydrated. I knew I'd be tired anyway. So really go easy during the day. It's going to be hot. But then, you know, at night or when the sun's setting or first rising, you know, pick it up then. So that was kind of my strategy. Now, there's still a lot of, a lot of, uh, we call, we call hiking, you know, uh, because it's so technical. You know, some of those ravines are so washed out that you could, and I, I had a, a leg with uh, a Chantel, which was a, one of the girls that paced me. The, the whole leg, maybe 20 miles, 70% of it was just this, I guess it was a cattle trail, Jeep trail, because there was big uh, cow, you know, uh, turds everywhere, yeah. <laughs> it, it, all over the place. So, so you're trying to avoid the poop. Try, trying to avoid that, and then of course, it's, it's nothing's flat, so it's maybe basically 17, 18 miles of just trying to get through this. It's like they made up a trail. I don't know what it was. That's all I could think of. And I remember her at the end, she goes, oh, man, I did not think it would be like that. I thought I could run it, you know, because she's a fast runner too. I was like, no, you just, it was just unrunnable. And that was one of our, the first, that was the first leg I had with a pacer. So. And then at nighttime, you know, obviously with the sun's down, you feel like, okay, it's cooler. I can maybe run or I can do things a little faster. But but then, I mean, you even probably have like a headlamp on, but are you, um, is it difficult to kind of, not trip over something or to kind of see the trail at nighttime? Yeah, I, I guess that's some of my advantage from running some other night races and, and the training I did, I made sure that I could see because one thing that slows you down is you can't see. So I made sure I had a good headlamp, plenty of spare batteries, nice and bright. So if I had the opportunity to run, I could run. So, you know, some of that technical, you just can't run. But, uh, but, but the light, the ones that I could, if I had the lighting right, I could definitely run, you know, even, even towards some of the other, the, the night ones I could run uphill so with that headlamp so that's one of one of the things I made sure I could do for yeah. sure. Yeah, and you talked about that transition from day one to two where you kind of shifted to like, I don't know if I can do this, to now I know I can do this and I'm motivated by the people supporting me. Yeah, absolutely. Was there any other kind of shifts like, you know, where like the light bulb went on or like from, you know, day three or four where you're like, you know, you um, feel like, uh, like a, a third, fourth, fifth wind to be able to kind of go? Yeah, I definitely, you know, everybody talks about races, you get that, that, that surge of energy. I probably had two or three of those. You know, and it, but one thing I found, they can quickly go as well. So I had, I had some where I was running uphill, you know, one of my legs, I think it was at one, one 
maybe at 200 i got this no it was 200 you know all, all plans together maybe <laughs> maybe 150 i had this wind and i was running uphill i was feeling great and i get to the aid station and he's like what do you want i was like give me a cheeseburger i mean i'm on fire right now because i was ready to hit it and i got to the next leg and it was the it was the hardest leg of the whole race and that just knocked the wind out of me that was the third night and it really that that brought me down of course after that i got an hour of sleep and it's amazing what just a little bit of sleep will kind of clear the fog and make you feel better. And I got another set of wind. So I went through probably three or four transitions where you feel just great. You're energized. You can run. But, but it's just surprising how some of those can kind of knock it away real fast on some hard legs for sure. Yeah. So. And I want to talk about the, the mental and physical parts of this. So first, the, the mental. So what was that like? I mean, did you have a lot of like like negative thoughts or trying to do positive self-talk or how are you getting through this mentally? Because this is three and a half, four days of just being out there. You got your crew and everybody supporting you, but you're, you're having to do all those miles. Yeah. yeah. Mentally, you know, I, I, the training I did, I knew it would be mentally challenging. You know, you've done hundreds before, you know, you go through those ups and downs. I knew I'd put in all the hard work. I knew I had all the people you know, vouching for me, wanted me to succeed. And I knew I'd, I'd sacrifice a lot for my family too. You know, uh, Brandy, my wife, you know, she'd, she'd put up with a lot of training, you know, be gone most of the weekends. You know, she she came and joined me when she could, but still, I've, early mornings we couldn't really plan anything. So I knew mentally I need to get through this. Of course- To make it not in vain, which yeah, you did. Exactly, and you know, <clears throat> mentally, you know, your mind plays tricks on you, of course, when you're doing it, especially when you start getting tired. Sure. But the really, you know, after that first day, there was really no no place where I really thought, I'm not going to make this. I knew I'd make it. I had, I had too much, I really had too much on the line. I, I'd done too, done all the work. I, you know, I was going to make it. And you just keep telling yourself, hey, let's just get to the next aid station. Uh, let's get to the next mountain. Let's get around the next corner. You know, all these people are doing it. So, like, do you take small chunks out of yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. As I try not to think of it as a 240-mile race. I tried to break it down. So you're not thinking, like, you know, okay, I've got 100 miles left, yeah, or I've yeah. only done 100 miles or whatever. Yeah, no, I still remember thinking that, hey, I, I remember reaching 104 miles, and I was like, wow, this is the furthest I've ever got to go, and I've got to more than double that to get to the end so so but, but you kind of your mind just gets in a rhythm where you're just one foot in front of the other one you know you just you just want to get to there the the the, the place in the distance then you want to get to another one and another one you just kind of get in a, a zone and people always ask me kind of what are you thinking when you're doing that and you're not really not thinking anything it just things just it's kind of like a stream in your mind. Things flow in and flow out, and it's kind of it kind of reminds you of meditation, really. Except you're you're physically your body's physically moving, but you're really meditating. You just you let so it's like an out of body sort yeah, exactly, of exactly, exactly. And then of course, that, not to mention when you're really tired, because then really you're you start you know, I start seeing stuff and hearing stuff, and that was really the third night, and that was, that was a wild night for me. That was that was one to. So remember. were you just uh, you were uh, kind of. Uh, seeing stuff because of you were just so tired and yeah, put your body yeah, through yeah. so much yeah that was on a hallucinating top, yeah, oh yeah that's on top of the salle mountain and that was that's the toughest leg of the race and i hit it right in the middle of the night so it made it i think it made it even tougher and i was already tired by then uh the climbs were, were straight up so they, they haven't heard of switch bags and backs in moab it's just it's just up <laughs> Of course, I think some of these trails they just make up the the, the day before Moab. So, oh, this one's got the most poop. Yeah, Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just remember getting. I, I ran into that leg feeling really good. Uh, that's where I was passing people. I was running uphill, and I was just you know I, I was energized. And then then we started. We went through the A station. We started these climbs, and the, it might just you know 
my heart got crushed because it was just, you know, it, it was tough. It was really tough. And then I got tired. And then uh, all I can s really feel, you're dreaming and walking at the same time. Because I, I, this is the third night. I've, I haven't really had much, I probably had two hours sleep at this point. And then I, I remember the, the telling everybody about the leaf people. And I still repeat, there's these bright yellow leaves and there are certain, certain leaf, certain tree you get up around 10,000 feet. And these leaves had faces on them. And they weren't mean faces. Some of them were. Some of them were happy faces, but they were just faces nonetheless. And some of them would wink at me and smile at me. And I knew, I knew what I could see. So it was knew, like the crowd support. <laughs> yeah, I knew they were. I know they weren't really there, but every every leaf I saw had a, had a face on it. And then, of course, I heard I heard stuff. And I, Chantel was pacing me at this point, and I remember she was talking to me, and I stopped answering her because I really didn't know if she was talking to me or I was hearing stuff because the winds blowing, and I'm hearing all this, all these different things in the woods so I, I completely stopped talking to her so it, <laughs> but all and then I remember thinking you know we're going up the steep hill and I remember thinking you know why are we all doing this only one person needs to go up the hill and I don't know why I thought that but it's just stuck in my mind but all I can think is I'm I'm really I'm dreaming and walking at the same time I'm not, I mean it's kind of a mixed reality and I'm it, it, it was just it was a really surreal experience Wow. Wow. And I mean, was it dangerous or did you think at that point you're like, like, I am losing my mind. This is, I don't want to fall off a cliff or something. You yeah. Know? And there's some steep, I mean, you're, you're on the trail and yeah, there's some drop offs and there's a couple points where I kind of lost my balance. You know, I thought that I was prepared. I knew, you, you, I guess I'm not crazy because I knew I was going crazy. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> sure. Sure. I, you, I, you were aware. I, I was prepared for this because everybody told me, Hey, you're, you're, that sleep deprivation, you're going to start to feel it. So, <laughs> um, And then the physical aspect of it. So, like, you know, I've run a bunch of marathons. I think the most I've run at one time is 35 miles. Um, so to do 240, which was, you know, more than twice as much as you had done before at one time, I mean, you know, your body was, it was, were you kind of hurting in a bunch of different places? Did you just have to push through the pain? Or maybe your body, you know, because you did it like you that slow go, um, you were maybe, uh, your body did a little better. Yeah, yeah, I was very surprised at my body. I guess all the training I did really prepared me because yes, my knees hurt a little bit and, and my back, my, my pack was actually maybe 15 pounds because you had to have all this mandatory gear and food and enough fluids to get to the aid station. So every now and then my back hurt and I kind of stretched and my knees hurt a little bit. I did take a couple of ibuprofen here and there, but other than that, I, w I was pretty good. I think my training definitely prepared me. I did a lot of cross training. You know, a lot of hill repeats. I, I think a lot of strength. I'd go to the Y at least once a week to lift, to do weights on my legs. I do a lot of core exercises, and I can really that really helped get through those long miles because basically, you know, th that's what counts on those long miles. Your body just gets fatigued, and that really kind of my the exercise of my core and strengthening it really helped me for the, late in those miles, and that's, that enabled me to run to the end. So I was yeah. really happy. And you got cr cross and strength training. How many miles a week were you running during training? I mean, in terms of the the, uh, you know, uh, what was your highest week or lowest yeah, week? Yeah, I, I think I ranged from probably 50 to 80. And those 80s were maybe on weeks that I had a, a race because I did do some races, you know, races just to kind of test out what they were. I did 100K and things like that. So I, I really didn't get much, you know, 50, 60, 70. I didn't get really any more than that. Yeah. Now, the hours I put in was, was pretty significant. I averaged probably at least two hours a day training. So that includes core uh, you know, uh, strength workouts, cross training, mountain biking, things like that. Is this for like walking. five or six months? Yeah, this was for six months. Six so months. Six wow. months prior. So I actually got a coach, officially got a coach six months prior to Moab. So, but it, I was really pleased with the, with, with the, 
preparedness I had. Yeah. The, the and, and so when you are on that fourth day and you're, you know, you have this goal, I want to finish before nighttime on this day, you kind of know going in. So, you know, um, what was that like when you had like five miles left or 10 miles left? Was it just this, like, did you have that other surge or you just knew like, I'm almost there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I told Brandy, it's like, okay, you, she, she paced me. She jumped in. She wasn't going to pace me. I wasn't really going to have a pacer for the last, uh, maybe 60, 70 miles. Luckily, Chantel stepped in and said, hey, I can't leave you alone that third night. And then Brandy at the end said, hey, I'm going to pace you for the last 38 miles, which is the Because she's most, a runner as well. Yeah, and, and that's the yeah. most she's ever done. So that, well, that was this was her first ultra, basically. So she, what she did is she stayed a little bit away from me where I could see her, but she said, but I had to chase her. So that I, you know, I I keep running. She ran, I had to run just to keep track of her. But she's that's kinda, a good motivation yeah, for you. So I, I, I wanted to keep up with her you know, and, and do the race. Of course, that last, the last 38 is mainly downhill, but it's pretty technical. So some of it you can't run. There's a lot of single track trails, but then we got a, we kind of got mixed in with a mountain bike course. So I guess a, they have these vans that take the mountain bikes up to the top of the mountain, drop them off and they fly down. So uh, that, that kind of slowed us down because we had to keep getting out the way for those mountain bikers to come down. <laughs> but I was definitely energized, you know, as it got closer and closer, you know, you get more energized. She's like, "Hey, I'm gonna make it. I'm getting close, you know." But it's still that 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 it was in the middle of the day, which made it a little bit harder too. So you didn't want to pick the pace up too much because you're already tired. Uh, of course, we hit some roads, uh, dirt roads going down. And we ran all those, and then it was went to that single track, which was jeep and rocky and and sand. You know, I, I don't like running in the sand because it's just tough. <laughs> and that that first day you're running to get to Brandy, and then the last day appropriately you're running kind of to get to, to, to Brandy. Get to Brandy, yeah, I chased it the whole way. The the, the only time that I, I, you know we, you get down and you have to hit a road, and the last three miles is a paved road. You know, at this point I'm like I'm three miles away. It's time for me to run. So of course I start basically sprinting and I look over and Brandy's just got this bad look on her face. She's like, I can't run. And I, I was like, okay, <laughs> I had to slow down. You know, I got that burst of energy to run that last three miles. I was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna finish this together. So we did a run walk to the end. Wow, what so, was it like to cross the finish line? I mean, this is you know, eighty four out, almost eighty four hours later. Yeah, yeah, it, it felt great. It was it felt like such an achievement. And at this point, the, the only cell phone signal I had was probably for the last 20, 30 miles. So everybody started texting me, you know, I'm getting all these pings and, you know, closer I'm getting the finishing line, Brandy's getting all these messages. So it's, it's really just energizing me and I get through the finish line and I, I just fit, you know, this, this overwhelming feeling of accomplishment and the, the love I got from everybody just overwhelms me. It, it felt absolutely great. You know, it's one of the things I, I'm so humbled by the way everybody was, was rooting for me to get to the end, you know, to finish it and the congratulations. That That's one of the things that just blew me away. Yeah. Just that everybody just wanted me to succeed yeah. during this race. And because you know, a lot of folks, you could follow along, you can see kind of a little bouncing Lee yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as whatever mile you're at. And, and people were, I know, on the message group kind of talking about that. And um, so, we're, you know, you, you know uh, you've had a chance a week or so to kind of uh, think about it emotionally and kind of still recover physically. And so do you feel like, you know, looking back, like this was like, man, this was an amazing moment for me in my life overall. Yeah, it was it was absolutely a, a life-changing moment for me. I'm still processing it. Of course, my body's still recuperating. Yeah. I'm very tired. But mentally, I'm still kind of processing what, what really happened. And it just, it, one thing amazes me is your body is just, just, when you feel like your body doesn't have 
anything left in you mentally and physically, you got so much more and you just don't realize it. Your body's always trying to hold back a little bit, you know, so survival mechanism. It always wants to hold back a little bit, you know, just in reserve in case, I guess back in the prehistoric times, in case a tiger comes out and tries to eat you, I don't know. But it, <laughs> but it amazes me how, you know, you could feel so down at mile 70, but you can finish the race strong and it, you just have those highs and lows and it, it comes back. But this, this, the, the mentally, you just it, it just amazes me how much more you have left in the tank. Yeah, well, congratulations on the Moab 240. I mean, finishing 17th overall out of 250 people, very impressive. Um, so I know it. I'm, I'm sure you you have a, a sense of like this was amazing to be able to do this, and the training worked. And um, but I'm, I'm sure it was a relief as well that like okay, that's done, and now I just can you know I can kind of be back with my family and my job, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Right? Yeah, I, I gave I told I told Brandy my wife. She's, I was like, okay, you got October, you got the rest of October, and I, I give her 30 days, so she's got all these things activities we're doing so she she has 30 days it's basically brandy's month so i, I the honey do list or the vacations yeah, that she yeah, wants to go yeah, on that yeah, kind of thing yeah. um and kind of backtracking a little bit in your life you know you were talking about um we, we i mentioned in the intro how you started running back in 2014 did couch to 5k that's which is what i did as well for those folks that don't know it's about eight weeks and you're uh, spending about three times a week 30 minutes and you just like a run walk thing so the goal is to get you to where you can run three miles without stopping, whatever pace that is. And so <clears throat> what was, um, was there a, a reason why you started running? And, and uh, because, I mean, at that point, how old were you? Uh, I was what? eight years younger than now. <laughs> yeah, 34. So 34, okay. I guess what, both Brain and I wanted to get fit. You know, I'd run a run the country's Midnight Express, you know, yeah, a, couple a, year, a couple of years ago. And I remember writing on the mirror, hey, our time. And mine was like, I think it was around 30. And I was like, I, I can do better than that. And I remember it sat there for two years. And I was like, you know, let, let's do the couch to 5K. Let's, let's start getting fit. Because at this weight, you know, I, was, I wasn't much heavier than I am now, but it was all kind of, you know, I could, you could tell I, was, I, was, I wasn't fit. Yeah. So I was like, let's get fit. So I, I started this couch to 5K. And I, honestly, that couch to 5K took me a year to do. You know, it, you know, you stop, you start it. Some of the weeks you double up. So, the main person we did, we want to get fit. You know, we we had kids, uh, kids young. So basically, you know, when you have got young kids, you don't really get to do much, especially with three kids two years apart. So we were stuck at home. I won't say stuck, but you, you know, you're at home. You're oh, you're yeah. getting the kids. You're doing kids activities. <laughs> so not much time for yourself. The kids finally started getting a little bit older. Where you, you know, you can start having your own adult activities. You start running, and that's really why we got into say it's time to get healthy. You know, we're getting a little bit older. We want to stay active and healthy, and that, that's what it led into. So that's where it kind of started. What would be your advice for new runners, knowing what you know now and, and having done all these, you know, much longer races, for somebody that's just starting off, doing like maybe a couch to 5K, what would be your advice for them? Just just persist to it. Just give it a chance. Just, just you know, you, you, when you get up in the morning or you have that time to run, uh, you, you're not going to want to do it. But you know what, get out there, run that first 100 feet, run that first you know, 200 feet and see how it goes. And that, just, just give it, if you go out there and do that 100 feet and you don't want to do it, sure, don't do it. But at least get out there and do it because I guarantee most of the time you're going to keep going. And that's what it is. Just, just make the effort to get up you know, on those cold mornings or those hot afternoons. Just get out there. At least start that run. I guarantee most of the time, 99% of the time, you're going to finish that run. Yeah, uh, yeah. I always give it, give it that little bit. So yeah. even I have that now. I have some long runs. I was like, I don't want to do this. I was like, but you know what? I'm going to go that first mile. If I feel the same way after that first mile, it's okay for me to quit. But you know what? 99% of the time, I'm going to finish that run. Yeah. 
And uh, I think you, you told me, you know, off mic that you, uh, you know, kind of as you started doing some more 5Ks and stuff, you started running with a, a small group, um, sometimes er, er, super early, 2 a.m. in the morning. So, what you know, it, discipline, it takes a lot of discipline to train and, and to, to do well at a hobby or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, you know, how important is that in terms of like, okay, you know, let, sometimes you just have to get up super early in the morning to, to get it done. And it really helps finding some like-minded individuals who are kind of on the same, you know, they're busy with family and work as well. So that's really what, what you know, I, I actually was fortunate to uh, group up with a group of girls in the morning. They had families and kids and they couldn't run any other time but early in the mornings. And that's really when I could run because I had a full-time job, of course, and, and my family. So it worked out great. So, so it was so, Lee and the moms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. But you know what? They took me to that next level where I needed to go. So yeah. at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, we were, we were marathon training. And, you know, yes, I, eventually I got faster than them. So what I do is I start circling them. So maybe I would run ahead and circle back and it was it, it worked out great. So, yeah. but that was exactly what I needed when I needed it so yeah. but, but finding those like-minded individuals to, to, to run with and practice and train with is really key because they motivate you and that you know they're counting on you to show up just like you're counting on them to show up so it's really it was a really good opportunity for me to really you know that's what really got me running yeah you know, accountability and, exactly. and fellowship yeah, with, with yeah. friends and and you kind of you can still have conversations while you're running at that pace and um, you talked about kind of the uh, that balance when you have you know a family because you know you and Brandy with three kids and you know you're a, a president of a company so you're busy with that and, and wanting to have a great marriage so how do you balance all that with training and running because I know obviously this year has been a little abnormal but how do you kind of make sure there's enough time dedicated to everything and that, that's really why you have the early morning runs you know the early back back then I did the the, the run so early you know to, to, Going fast forward into Moab, I really had to have that discussion with Brandy. Hey, this is going to be a sacrifice, you know, because I'm I'm not going to be I'm going to be tired a lot, you know. When I'm not running, I was working. When I wasn't working, I was sleeping. So it was, it was those three of those for basically six months. So you wanted her to make sure to sign off. Uh, on exactly, her. Are you okay and that's why I gave her a month after. So, so I'm, I'm in her month right now, so I had to get permission to come here. So which is which is great. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is it okay if I go do a, a do a podcast interview? You know, Jason. You know, he, but but <laughs> I could not have done this training, this run without her. So you got to have support of your family for sure. For yeah. Sure. But but it, it's a. I couldn't have done this when the kids were smaller. You know, kids are my one of my kids is in the Air Force. He's in Germany. Another's graduated, and uh, another was in high school. But I couldn't do that. You know, they're all busy doing their own things. I couldn't have done this when they were little, for sure. Yeah. But it is, if if you want to run any distances, it is a little bit of sacrifice. So I say, you know, but that's why a lot of people run really early in the morning. So you're you're running while everybody's sleeping. You know, the girls I used to run with, they used to get home, so they uh, we should get done about six thirty so they could get home enough in time to wake the kids up. So they weren't sacrificing any of that time. Yeah. And uh, I know, obviously, family time is extremely important to you. And when your kids were a little younger, I guess maybe they were all three teenagers at this point, you guys went on, uh, I think, from summer of 2019 until kind of early summer or late spring 2020, you went on this RV adventure, bought an RV and kind of went traveling. This is all around the, the U.S., is that right? Yeah, yeah. We, we hit probably every state but about five. So th that's one of the things we want to do you know the kids were getting older we knew eventually it'll start graduating you know moving separate ways so this was really the last opportunity we could do something as a you know as a family you know 
team to go around the U.S. and experience this this, this wonderful country. And you're able to do that with work and stuff. Yeah, it or? worked out. It worked out perfect for my work. We had some situation at work where it worked out. I wasn't the president of the company at this point. You know, I did I did planning and finance, so I I figured I could do all this from the road. Yeah. So I went to my company. And then the pandemic hit. That's everything. Everybody's doing it uh, <laughs> well, virtually, yeah. right? Well, the, the pandemic came right after we got back, so we're yeah. kind of we're kind of lucky because they closed <laughs> down the whole country basically. Yeah. But it worked out great. The opportunity I presented to the company as like, hey, here's what I want to do. You know, here's here's what I'm willing to offer you, so I could do this, and it worked out great. So we we sold the house and hit the road for a year, and we visited you know the national parks. Everyone is unique and special in its own way to see this beautiful country. I mean it. It, this country is really amazing. I tell people before you go overseas, visit all these these landmarks and, and national parks in the U.S. and it, it's amazing. It yeah. really is. But it was a great experience. I hope the kids can take for the rest of their lives as well. And hopefully they do it and, and, and kind of share the love of outdoors that I had. You know, you, you just see this. It's amazing world that has been created yeah and then you just recently got to see utah like you've never yeah, seen it yeah, before yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's funny i took pictures during during the race you know this don't do it justice though you know you you're trying to catch it you know like wow this will be an amazing picture to take and looking back it's like well, it doesn't it doesn't even come close to catching what you saw because you're on these edge of these canyons looking out for tens of miles and it's just amazing but they the pictures don't do it justice but yeah definitely Moab is a beautiful place really yeah. is and besides this 240 mile race you just did I know you've done quite a few other ultras and marathons and any favorites or anything that for you that's in the last you know six or seven years that you were like man this was a, a great race of course, yeah. of course uh, Boston running in Boston Marathon is a highlight you know a highlight race you know that was something I, I wanted to do you know, from first getting into running, so I I achieved that course. You qualified by running, I think, a sub three marathon yeah, at, at yeah, Soldier back, yeah. in, at Fort Benning, Columbus. Well, actually, it was Albany. Oh, Albany, I, I missed Albany. On that oh, one. the Snickers yeah. Marathon, which yeah. is now I think renamed the Combos Marathon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. The year before that, I missed it by seven seconds. You know, every year, every year they kind of adjust it according to the number of entrants. So I missed it by like seven seconds a year before. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep up the training. I'm going to make sure I get in this time. And so Boston I, met your expectations? Yeah. Yeah. Although that's a great race. I mean, yeah, the people line the streets for all whole 26 miles cheering for you. That's a, it's a, it's a whole, it's a real great experience and then other races I've you know while we're traveling I try to pick out some random races to run you know just out one out in uh Vegas that I ran you know just just seeing a, I love the races where you see a lot of landscapes you know just see the see the world see the mountains the trees things like that and see the wildlife so being out west I definitely saw those courses even some of the runs here you know locally I just like it. it's just great to run with friends and talk to them and and share the same experiences as well so yeah and you we talked a little bit about faith off mic as well about how for you kind of weekends in the woods are yeah. like you know kind of a an opportunity to it's almost like church it's it's an opportunity for you to kind of just be still and be out in you know nature and and the beauty you know and I, I'm sure I'm assuming Utah was somewhat like that but I'm you've did a lot of training I'm sure maybe solo out in you know trails yeah yeah I did a lot of so, slow training you know one thing I try to uh, to make sure I do is kind of stop and take it all in I tried to do that in Moab several times you know it's tough when you're tired but really take it all in and you know absorb you know what what the world is appreciate the moment appreciate appreciate you know what what's been created for us you know but that's one thing i try and do on a regular basis even when i'm in the you know suffering in hot summer in in pine mountain you know it's you get some rough summers here just stop and say hey 
I enjoy this actually. You know, if I wasn't sweating right now, this is this is where I want to be on a Sunday morning or Saturday morning or or Saturday night. You know, just whenever. This is where I want to be. This is this is this is me appreciating the world. Yeah, and, and now, now that Moab is done and you're recovering, the weather's great around here oh, to, yeah. for running, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. This is like exactly. ideal, like yeah. it's 50s and 60s on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, the last thing, Lee, is uh, we talked about earlier your life mantra. You will regret the things you didn't do rather than the things that um, you, um, you, you did. Um, tell me about, um, you know, that about, cause like, you know, it's kind of grabbing life by the horn, seize the day, which obviously, you know, you put that into action with Moab 240. So for you, is that something that like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, listen, I only have this one life and I want to, to, to take advantage of it. Right. Exactly. Just, just, you know, you, yeah, you're given this one life. You, you have to enjoy it. You have to live it to its fullest. Uh, do the things you, you really don't want to do, you know, you know, Moab. Things that maybe you fear? Or? Yeah, exactly. I mean, compel yourself to do something you'd rather not do. I mean, really, you just challenge your body, challenge your mind. I'm always, I'm a big person on growth. Uh, what, what can I do tomorrow better than today? You know, I, 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 I aspire to be the person I am tomorrow. I, how, how do I do that? I've got to keep challenging myself, keep growing myself. What else can I do now? After Moab 240, I don't know what I can. <laughs> I was I, just going to say, I, what's the goal? I, I, what, I, what's, the, what's the next? Uh, <laughs> can you one up that? Yeah, that, that's. A, <laughs> I'm not ready to prepare to do that yet. You know, the, definitely 100 miles seem a lot easier now. You know, I, I was joking with some of my friends that run 100 miles, like, oh, that's a cute 100 yeah, miles. Yeah, that's now. nice. So nice. I, I kind of got bragging rights right now. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm one, I, I always want that challenge, either mentally or physically physically what I'm going to do. So I don't know what the next next phase is right now. So I'm trying to take it easy right now. I'll, I'll definitely do some hundreds here shortly. I think I've got one mile on in December to redeem myself, which I actually DNF'd last year. Ooh. But it seems a lot easier this time. So so, so I think just challenging yourself and experiencing this, this beautiful life you have and just, just get out there and it, is what I want to do. So yeah, yeah, and I know that you said you're going to be pacing some folks at the Pinhody 100 in Alabama. That's uh, in November, so just a few weeks away. And in fact, our last episode uh, that just came out um, was uh, it was just me talking about how um, you know living in the moment and being present. And one of the uh, our friends, James Adams, who's running that, you know, he doesn't even he just sets his clock to just time. He doesn't even look at you know what was the last mile, how was the pace, what was the next mile. He just kind of lives in the present, in the moment. And so we talk on that last episode about how to do that, how to be present. And, you, you know, because um, that's, that's can be hard to do as a runner because you want to know like, oh, how, how was, how have I been doing? How, how am I going to do? And what should I do next? Right? Yeah, exactly. And it kind of, that's where I kind of, my thing was in Moab. I stopped, I stopped looking at pace. I, I just basically sun up and sundown was the only thing I was worried about. So I didn't care and about anything. And cheeseburgers. Yeah, <laughs> and getting the next age, they started with a cheeseburger and ginger ale. So. Yeah, with bacon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All right, well, thanks so much, uh, Lee Lose Brown. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. I'm glad Brandy allowed you to come in during her month <laughs> and, and uh, spend some time uh, kind of recapping the race. And uh, so uh, I appreciate it. And uh, good luck with all the recovery. Thank you. Yeah, that's some uh, great advice from uh, Lee, our guest for this week for the Run the Race podcast. You're talking about jumping into big challenges and uh, the things are doable. You just have to be patient, have to work hard because things you're not going to be an overnight success, whether it be running or uh, losing weight 
or getting uh, that great job promotion or whatever, you have to just you know bide your time. And an example of that is is Lee Los Brown. You know, he at age thirty four, he talked about couch to five k back in twenty fourteen, and then fast forward three years later, his first marathon, and then two years after that, twenty nineteen, his first one hundred mile race, and then three years after that. Uh, just a few weeks ago, he finished the Moab 240 at age 42, uh, his first time doing that distance. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool um, when you take on these fitness challenges, whether you're a runner or anything else, you can combine your passion uh, with some time with your family or spouse and also time seeing this wonderful country. Uh, he talked about going on the RV. Well, they uh, they drove across country to Utah for this race, him and his wife. Um, and it's, it's 1,800 miles from Columbus, Georgia to Moab, Utah. I think they drove more than 2,000 to get there, making stops at uh, Gulf Island and Biloxi, uh, some, getting some voodoo donuts in Texas, uh, seeing um, some caverns in New Mexico, and also a hot air balloon festival in Albuquerque. So uh, all that, and after uh, six months of rigorous training, he uh, he got that buckle for 240 miles. And uh, congratulations again to Lee for doing that post race. They also, uh, you know, some of the crew actually summited the fourteen thousand foot high Pikes Peak, and then they uh, did some recovery also in uh, the, some hot springs in Telluride, Colorado. So really getting a chance to see some great things, you know, on the way there and and out west. So uh, you know, I definitely get a chance if you travel this country and see what it has to offer. Some amazing places across the U.S. So uh, now to uh, close in prayer, dear God, just thank you for uh, the amazing beauty that you've given us um, all throughout this country, this world, uh, the, just the, your beauty that you put here. Uh, it's amazing just the things that we are able to see uh, that your hands have been on um, you know, thousands of years ago. And uh, we just appreciate um, everything you've given us. Um, where we live and, and with our bodies being able to do things that we can't imagine they could do uh, because of what you have given us, the strength mentally and physically. And Lord God, we just uh, look to you for all our needs and we just thank you and praise you for being able to talk about you and, and fitness and being better uh, mind, body, and soul on uh, platforms like this. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining us for Run the Race. You know where we are, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, where if you would like to uh, write a quick review, we'd love to hear from you. Five stars if you like it, and write a couple uh, sentences telling us what you like or what you don't like. That's fine. We're, we're, we're cool with honesty for the Run the Race podcast. We want to keep on going. Uh, 130 episodes down, hopefully many more to go, talking with great guests about uh, fitness and faith, hopefully in, inspiring you and motivating you to be the best version of yourself so uh thanks again and uh and and, and hopefully uh you know some stuff that lee said will uh, get you uh, off the couch like he did eight years ago have a great week everybody